You have downloaded ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. You're at episode 74. I am your host, Russ Shaw. my way um, that is a powerful song I love that tune because it illustrates where we need to be at a certain point um, what do I mean by that last show I basically had an apology for the way I uh, may have treated religious people and tried to really get you to understand my perspective on religion and what I meant by that. Um, it's very similar to what Paul said. It's, it's about, it is exactly the same heart condition as what Paul said in um, Philippians chapter 3. I went into that text. It was the same man that wrote the full armor of God, which I will get into today. Uh, but he's going to talk a lot about standing, and, I, and standing where is important. So the last show, I, I talked about the analogy of my van and how, you know, if I'm going to do sales and if I'm going to be out in the world um, engaging people, it's good to have a shiny, nice-looking vehicle, right? That uh, That's not a bad thing to invest in yourself to become a good person. There's a lot of you who maybe have taken offense to my... Uh, rants on religion as you know, you know, as offensive to the fact that you are trying to invest in being a good person. Um, what I was trying to communicate to you, and what I'm using parables and uh, you know, metaphors for, is to get you to understand the heart level convictions that I had to get through in my mind, in my heart, as to what was really at the root of the issue. That behavior modification for me was years and years and years and years of just failure, okay? So there there was a root to why I was doing the things I was doing. Um, to continue the analogy that I used on the last show, uh, and if you're coming into this right, you know, in, in the middle of, of the Full Armor God series, I challenge you to go back and listen to the first one. Just start with Full Armor God and then go from there because this will make a lot more sense if you do that. So there's that. Um, continuing on with the analogy, if I kept my van nice and clean, right? If I just went in and washed it weekly or whenever the sun came out, you know, I got it nice and shiny when the sun came out. and Maybe I took it in and had it detailed on the inside, right? Like if you looked inside my van, you didn't see a mess you saw nice, you know, shampooed carpet, no dust or anything, just immaculate, clean, like a, like I just bought the, the vehicle, right? If I kept, if I invested that, that would take a lot of time. It would take a lot of money to invest in that 
you know, upkeep of my vehicle. Um, now, all the while, let's say I had a light on on my dashboard, right? The check engine light is on. And instead of popping the hood or taking my, my vehicle to a mechanic, I just kept, you know, well, maybe I should get some new tires. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a new set of tires on it and I'm going to take it to the detail shop again. We're going to, you know, maybe get some rims. Okay, well, I'm going to get some rims. I'm going to stick them on there. It's going to look nice and shiny. Get some of them spinner things. That would be awesome. Um, that's foolish, isn't it? If I have a light on my dashboard, maybe my engine starts knocking or sounding funny, I should probably look into that. On a heart level, what the church has done historically in the last couple hundred years is really focus on, on just adding more to the uh, surface identity of the church, right? Like worship now has become this, the event. You know, you go in on Sunday and you worship God. Uh, the music, that's worship. Join me in worship, right? They even have a word for it. That's the music of church is worship. We've morphed into that. Um, I believe I'm a Christian. I believe in uh, first century biblical Christianity. I do not put a whole lot of stock in uh, postmodern uh, evangelicalism as it as it exists today. The church has become a business, you know, and it's very similar to where Jesus entered. Uh, you know, God enters human history as a man in the first century. We are at a very, very similar crossroads to where to where Jesus entered human history, right? Like the Jews were very uh, the, the church, well, the synagogue at that time had become a corrupt it had become a business it had become a, a government entity and it was no longer this this um, form of worship this scattered lifestyle of worshiping God it had become a set of rules a set of do's and don'ts a, um, a more of a legalistic, kind of a, a police state that was ran by the very elite, um, very disciplined type of folks who figured because of their discipline and because of their their ability to follow the law gave them right to uh, judge, trample, uh, kind of exclude, pass judgment on kind of other people. Right? There was really not a, a sense of love and grace and meeting people where they're at to, to try and help them heal their lives. It had become more of a punishment, look at you, you have leprosy because you sinned or your father sinned kind of a thing. That's where the church was when, when God entered human history as a man. And that's where it very much exists here in the United States and I would say in the UK... Uh, like I say, Australia is getting a little better, but um, I haven't really studied that much of the Australian church. To and, and I'd love some your feedback if you have any feedback for me on this. Whether it's becoming more of a heart level type of gospel uh, following entity in in Australia, or if it is becoming more like American evangelicalism, which. Uh, if you worship Jesus, you're going to have a, a lavish lifestyle, which is kind of this 
what American evangelicalism is, is becoming, that you, you get what you deserve, right? And that's very much like the Pharisees back in the first century. So uh, that I spend a lot of time on that to, to get you to realize where you stand in those two camps and to be honest about it. Because if you're just in, investing in like behavior modification, like the Pharisees did, right? It's kind of like your engine light comes on in your vehicle and you just ignore it. Or you reach up behind the dashboard with a pair of wire cutters and you cut the annoying light off, right? Does that mean you don't have a problem anymore under the hood? No, you're just removing the pain. And that's what sexual addiction is. Sexual addiction is the light in your dashboard that's on, okay? You may look nice and shiny clean on the surface. You may be um, in recovery. You may be recovered from a lot of different stuff like I have. You think you're pretty good. You think you're in this pretty good place, but you have this monkey on your back of, of sexual addiction or uh, sexual integrity that seems to visit you in, in these alone times and these alone periods and these seasons in your life. And you're listening to my voice right now because you are in that place of, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what's wrong with me. Um, I've been contacted by people who've been in, in uh, groups like Sexholics Anonymous for a number of years and not really seeing any freedom. They see freedom for a few months, maybe up to six months at a time, and then come crashing back down again. So... Uh, that is the continuing analogy that I want to give to you today is that we are, we're, we're really honest about how we look at our lives and where we stand. When, when I, as a person, am going to look at my life and am I, am I honest about what my reactions are? Is my reaction to my, my state of being to take my car back to the car wash or the detail shop or to bring it before Jesus and say, there is a knock, there is a ping, maybe I need to keep things quiet so I can hear that knock and that ping. What are What is the pain? Where is it coming from? What is underneath my addiction? What are the queen ants that, that are feeding the ants that I keep squishing on the surface that never seem to die? Why does it something underneath just seem to keep giving birth to these system failures in my behavior. That is the, the honest approach. That is going to be the topic of the show today. So, give you some mood music to get you into that mood, which is just not going to be very churchy, okay? The church historically, the last couple hundred years, has been kind of like this Puritan philosophy where we just don't look at the dirty stuff. Okay, not looking at the dirty stuff is like reaching back behind the dashboard of your car and clicking the light off. Okay? I'm not trying to offend you with the music and some of the words I'm going to use in this show. I want you to see the light on your dashboard. That's my honest heart level plead for you, is to stop ignoring the blinking light on the dashboard of your life. That's not just your sexual addiction. That's what's underneath it. Okay? The blinking light on the dashboard is your addiction. The, the light signifies, indicates, it's an indicator to something that's going on under the hood. Okay? There you go.
That's uh, finger 11 will drag you down. Again, thanking uh, Darren Listener who sent me some of these tunes that uh, make a lot of sense. Good message to that song. The perfect sound of middle ground, right? Martin Luther said, uh, religion is the default mode of the heart. And I think to really clarify what that means is that we usually reach for the easier thing, all right? Like, light comes on and there's something wrong with my vehicle. It's a lot easier to get out a bucket of hot water, some soap and a sponge, and try and clean off, like, the outside of the vehicle than to pop the hood, get our hands dirty, have to listen to some horrible knocking sounds and find out what's really going on. But I think when when Jesus says, you know, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, now that's where you enter into repentance, right? That's where you see your pathology, to use a, a non-biblical word that means the same thing, where you see your sin the roots of it, you know, is when you can get honest about where you need to be pulled under, you know, pull me under before I drag you down, save me from my own, my own self, right? Those lyrics remind me of another story that was in the book, The Great Divorce uh, by C.S. Lewis. The Great Divorce is a book about uh, the divorce of heaven and hell. Okay, and there's these these uh, beings who are in hell. They travel on this bus to this kind of middle ground, this limbo sort of a place, where they are met by these angel-like beings, uh, full, you know, glowing light and stuff like that, who are you know trying to woo them back to to heaven, right? I'm trying to get them to heaven, but these specter-like, um, ghost-like beings don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> they're perfectly comfortable where they're at, or they're just where they're at, right? They, they, they don't, they, they just react, and, and they're just in this place of this kind of phantom-like, see-through, uh, not-whole type of beings. <clears throat> Anyhow, excuse me there, uh, it, there's a scene in The Great Divorce where the storyteller, the, the guy who's uh, experiencing this place and we're seeing it from his angle, he uh, comes upon uh, one of these these ghost-like, specter-like beings in this in this forest and he's kind of walking up to, the, to the, the scene and he sees this angel-like being like stooped down, bowing down, and it looks like it's talking to, it's speaking to the feet of this other being, this other specter-like being, and it's standing there, and, and it looks like the angel being, um, the female character is just standing there, and it's speaking with, kind of pleading with the feet of this, this specter-like being, and it's just kind of weird, and the and the guy walks up, and he and he gets a little closer, and he's kind of eavesdropping, he's looking through the bushes at this, this, uh, this dialogue they're having, and he sees that it's not the feet that uh, the, the angel is speaking to, he sees that it's actually a small little dwarf-like character. It's about eight inches tall, and it's holding a balloon. And the balloon is on the string, and the balloon is the big being that it looks like, you know, 
the angel speaking to the feet of. It's it's not really real, but it is speaking. The balloon is actually talking, and it's kind of la 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 la, you know, and it's going off, and it's just kind of singing here and there, and just blathering on, right? While the little dwarf being is is kind of in tears a little bit, and and these two characters, these two beings, um, you see that the the specter being also has like dissimilar characteristics to the balloon like it is actually one being that is that she's speaking to so they seem to have this dialogue where they seem to have known each other while they were alive before they died right so this little dwarf being is its head is bowed it's kind of weeping and it's saying but I feel so bad that I, I left you in that nursing home and, and you didn't deserve to be in that place and it's kind of <clears throat> it's kind of a you know, in shame a little bit, and it's telling the 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 angel being that, and she's saying, "No, you don't worry about it. You don't understand. That's okay. You know, that's it was a long time ago, and you just don't worry about that." And the the big balloon being seeing that the the little uh, the guy holding the string, the little dwarf guy holding the string to the balloon, seeing that he is uh, in tears and kind of opening up, he starts to get louder. And he starts yelling at the angel, well, who are you? Well, what were you doing? And, and it just starts to go into um, reacting, this reacting mode on the angel, right? It starts to say things like, well, you were never there for me. And I was growing up and I had this whole situation I was going through and you never did this for me. You never did that for me. And you were just a horrible, mean person to me. And you were in that nursing home because I put you there because that's where you deserved to be. just going off. And the angel is just totally ignoring that part of the balloon, right? Totally ignoring that and still speaking to the little dwarf character who now at this point has shrunk down to about six inches tall, right? And it's kind of looking up at the balloon being and it's kind of scared and it, and then it looks back down and puts its feet to the ground and, and the angel is still pleading with the dwarf character, you know, please, I love you. Um, please turn him off, you know, shut him off. He, he, it's not, it's not what happened to you. You know, it's the balloon character is constantly just doing that whole 80, 20 thing. It's just constantly going into the, the 20%, right? It just keeps going on and on about, you know, it's all about you, isn't it? Look at you glowing bright with your bright shininess. You're all glowing and you're an angel now and you know everything. And, you know, the, the balloon character just keeps going on and on and on. And the dwarf character just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Well, this is what happened to me and this is what you did to me and that's what happened to me and this is that's what made me who I am. And, and it's just constantly going through the 20%, you know. And she's going, no, it's how you love. It's how you react. It's, it's that life is what, you know, what, what you loved out of where you where you push through that and you reacted in love in these situations and and the the dwarf character is not listening to the angel at this point it's just kind of shrinks down another three inches tall and the balloon character just keeps getting louder and bigger and pulling and tugging on on the dwarf character as he's trying to hold on to the string and eventually the the dwarf character just shrinks up into like this little ant like character and and at this point the angel is on its 
laying down, pleading with the the little ant-like character that's holding on to the string of the balloon while the balloon is just screaming and yelling about what, how it was wronged and what happened to it and, and how things should have been better and if this wouldn't have happened in my life, I'd be better. And ultimately, the dwarf character just um, disappears into the balloon character. And the balloon character just looks at the angel and says, you know what, just stop it, knock it off, leave me alone. Turns its back and walks away, back towards the bus, back to hell. We have to be honest about the balloon character. We have to. Are you honest enough to see yourself when you become that balloon-like character, are you honest enough to see where you're at in that moment, to see where you're standing while, while you're trying to be, right? Who are you going to be in that situation? The balloon character? Are you going to let the balloon character continue to get bigger? So cold First, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. I love the English Standard Version. It's a very good word-for-word translation. Um, very much like the King James Version, only without the thous and theys. And brought up to speed for 2008, going on some of the stuff that they found with uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, stuff like that. I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference. Just kind of a word here and a word there that uh, really drives home more of the emotion to, to some of the the scripture, some of the Psalms and stuff like that. Um, here's the deal. The Bible wasn't written in English. Okay. So there's different translations to the Bible. I'm not one of those guys that says you need to read the new King, the King James version. That's, that's whoever says that is basically, uh, you know, they're stuck in, in the, the 15th century. Basically, I, you don't have to just read the King James Version, okay? If you go to seminary and you're a pastor, they're going to teach you how to read Hebrew and Greek, and chances are, and they're going to give you a bunch of different translations of the Bible, okay? The reformer, Martin Luther, basically said, uh, why don't we just give everybody the Bible instead of just the religious people so that we all know what God's saying, and not just some elitists that tell us all what to do. You know, why don't we learn what to do for ourselves and uh, so that's why I use a lot of different translations of the Bible is to really get into what the heart 
uh, the the writers are trying to uh, tell us from that ancient culture, from that different language. And one of the problems we have, and one of the retardations, I, I guess you could say, as an um, English-speaking world is, uh, like, for instance, the world, the word love, you know? Like, I love my car, I love pizza, I love a tall, cold glass of beer, and I love my wife. I love my kids. You know, there's a, there's a problem with that. There's a different love. You know, in, in Hebrew, there's many different words for love. Um, a love is, is a heart thing, and, and I think that's part of our surfacy nature as uh, Westerners is to, you know, is part of the language we speak. Language is such a such a horrible way to communicate sometimes. <laughs> it really is. I say that as a guy who does talk radio, right? Talk kind of podcasting. Anyways, here we go. Finally, he's ending a letter. Okay, he's ending a, a large letter that he, not a large letter, a huge letter, but a letter that he wrote to this culture, this church in this city of Ephesus. Um, and this is what he's ending with, this, this message about the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present, over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, there's a lot to be said there. Here's, here's the uh, message version. The message version is a paraphrased, contemporary English version of the Bible that I love. I, I don't always agree with everything that it translates, but for the heart of some of these issues, it's, it's a great translation of the Bible. If you don't like reading, uh, sometimes the ESV can be a little robotic because it is a word-for-word -word translation, but to paraphrase, uh, a great paraphrase translation is... Uh, is the Message Bible by uh, Eugene Peterson, I believe his name was, is. Uh, check this out. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use, so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. I love that. That's uh, verse 10 through 12. I'll cover the rest of it on the next show. I want to focus on the 10 through 12 because... Uh, Christian Church of 2008 has gone into um, kind of a religious mode, and we've forgotten about the heart, and we became very surfacy, and that is very important. All right, I know I'm 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 criticized and for talking about dealing with our triggers and stuff like that. It's it's deeper. I want to I want you to look at something deeper because it has everything to do with our triggers. John chapter five in the Bible, Jesus is pleading with the religious people to 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 understand that it's not about our surface behavior. Okay? He says in there, I think it's like verse 34, 35, he says, um, you, you study the scriptures in vain. 
You know, your head is in the Bible and you, you, you read the Bible, but you don't get it. You don't understand that the scriptures are all about Jesus. They're all about himself. He says that the scriptures are all about me. You don't understand. It's about heart issues. Okay, and I, I'll tell you, I can so relate to that because I've got so many emails from people who know their Bible, people who are stuck and they know their Bible, man. Some of them are pastors. Some of them have been to seminary and they don't understand the deeper things that Jesus is trying to communicate and that Jesus is trying to save us from. Here is what is important about that piece of scripture that uh, I wanted to talk about today. Standing against, Paul uses the word standing against. A standing against is a place that you are spiritually, not just physically or not just psychologically, but spiritually in your heart. It, it's a place, okay? God wants us to be strong. That, that's what the whole point that he ends with, why he brings up the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not in yours, in his. Why is that so important? Why is it important to look at it as a place? Because I, I, I didn't get it, man. Uh, stand against what? I don't understand. Stand against the darkness. Okay, the darkness in heavenly realms is another... Uh, translation has said I wanted to read uh, mail I got from uh, my friend Darren who sent me uh, sent me some of the songs sent me some of the music uh, great lyrics to some of these songs great message in some of these music some of this music not a a puffy soft uh, message but it's important that we understand where we are where are we standing? How can you stand in the strength of the Lord when you don't know where you're standing physically right now? Some of you think that you're standing in the strength of the Lord because you go to church every week. You go to Bible study. You know your Bible pretty well. So you think you're standing in in the strength of the Lord, but you're still addicted to porn. So there's a problem, right? There's a problem. What, What does it mean? You know... What does it mean to be worldly? I talked about that in the last show. Worldliness is an attitude that is a, that is totally investing yourself in that surface identity. I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. Right? This is from Darren. Russ, here's some worldly music. While I try to live the Christian life, I guess we all try... I can't stand listening to Christian music because most of it only relies on worship and praise, which is awesome, but ignores the struggles of temptation, faith, loss, and addiction. Some of the songs reflect that dark period, and some reflect hope for the future. I believe that the lyrics speak for themselves. Since telling my wife, only miracles have happened. She has dedicated herself to my recovery and our marriage. She struggles, but ultimately she believes in me. I have been sober since May 10th, which is a record for me. Thank you for your encouragement and your brutal honesty in your shows. And uh, thank you, Darren, for the tunes. Um, here's another one. Here, Check this out. Yes, I'm alone. 
place that he's at. I'm going to go one more verse here. Verse 13, Ephesians 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? I added that. Um, That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There's that word again, stand. To stand firm in that point in time moment in that moment in time that place where you're at we need to be honest about the place we are at because pride will tell us a lie right we are time travelers that's the truth I talk about you know some of the analogies that are in films like Back to the Future. You know, what if you went back in time and changed something? All of the events that led, lead us up to this place all have to do with our reactions. Our reactions, like I end every show, right? Or almost every show. Life is 20% the stuff that happens to us and 80% how we react. This verse is all about how we react. How are we going to stand on that day? Okay, Christianity is not all about, you know, positive thinking. Just think happy thoughts. Christians don't get all grumbly. And I, and I think that's important, grumbling. And what that means is, is part of how we react to life, but there's some times in life you're going to have to mourn some stuff out. And the fact that you're not looking at that place, that broken place, that place that for some reason you decide to keep yourself. I love the song. Trent Reznor covers the song Hurt. or Trent Reznor wrote the song that Johnny Cash covered called Hurt, and he ends the song with, I will keep myself. I'll find a way. We need to stand against that balloon character. That's that's who we're standing against. That's what you're putting on the whole armor of God to protect yourself from. It's it's from yourself. Okay, it's from a, a being that exists inside you, right? Is the, the, that other half of you, that other the other dog, the the dog of smoke and fire, right? You're gonna feed the balloon character or you're going to feed your heart your soul 
that small little child part of you, that 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 part of you that's real, that part of you that's authentic, that part of you that's that just wants to live and breathe and, and be free from the tyranny of the the balloon characters shouting and yelling. I pray that you see that the main thing I want you to realize is standing against the schemes of the devil is going to be that he is the one pumping air into that balloon of yours. Standing against the schemes of the devil is inside your own identity and how what you're being flooded with not you know in your reactions why do you react that way you do and and the fuel the the air the air pressure that's being pumped into that balloon character of your of the reactionary get it off of me it's all about the 20% that happened to me not how i react to the 80% of life right it's all about what you did what happened to me how my life played out how i got a dealt a bad hand you know if we just invest in that, it's just more filling up that, that balloon of self-surface hurt, pain, on and on and on for years of just complaining. And hopefully when I bring up that balloon character analogy, you can start to realize maybe how is my thought life? You know, where, where's my thought life going? How, how do I react? I mean, the balloon character is not necessarily doing this all out loud inside you. It's not just you yelling at people and, oh, well, that's the people that kind of yell at people in the restaurant and, and are mean and stuff. No, it's your thought life. It's what you, are you blaming? Are you putting it outside of you? Are you focusing everything that happens in your life, the reactions on the 20%? You know, I choose to react the way I do because of my 20%. No, 80% of life is turning from that in love and saying, I'm just going to pour myself out here. I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to choose to love and ignore all the horrible things that happened. No, I'm not saying you ignore your past and stuff it. That's not what I'm saying. You take what happened to you and learn from it. Transformation occurs when we stop resenting, when we stop complaining and grumbling, when we start to see what we've learned and just changing what we've learned, you know? You taught me that two plus two is five, the balloon character could be saying to the angel character, right? You told me for years that two plus two is five and two plus two wasn't five and it's all your fault I learned two plus two is five. No. You, you need to, you, if, if, you, if your life keeps on crumbling apart and you keep doing things that aren't working, maybe it's because two plus two is not five. Okay, you just need to learn something new and don't blame the person that taught you the wrong stuff because they're just reacting out of a ripple effect that happened to them. Maybe their parents didn't teach, your great-grandparents didn't teach them, or they came from a horrible past, and they're reacting in the only way they know how and how they've learned. Hating them isn't going to help. Loving them will. Loving them despite 
the fact that they taught you 2 plus 2 is 5, right? Being that dwarf character who looks up, looks at the angel character, runs towards her, lets go of the string, and gives her a big hug. Alright? That's how I like that, that little story there to end, but that's not how it ended in C.S. Lewis's book. We all have a choice. Listen, a relationship with Jesus Christ is not about you keeping a list. Jesus doesn't hear your balloon, okay? Jesus is going to listen to the dwarf character, and, and he wants to meet you, and he wants to love you, and he, he doesn't sit there with a, like Santa Claus with a naughty nice list. Are you starting to see what I mean by your triggers are such a small, tiny percent of your recovery? Hopefully you're starting to see that here with this show and this, uh, this piece of scripture that I have based a lot of this ministry on and, and how I was able to be transformed by Jesus. Not through my own power. Thanks for listening. My name is Russ Shaw. The show is ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Send me an email. It's russ at asi247.org. If you'd like to leave a donation, I'd certainly appreciate it. This is a listener-supported type of operation. It's... uh, Go to the website, asi247.org, and click on the donation button. Keep that ripple effect going, man. I appreciate every single one of you who donate. You don't know how much. It is a it is a dark time for me financially right now. So, thanks again for listening. Until next time. So maybe you turn off this uh, this podcast and. And you, you, you just find a place, a quiet place, a place where you can be alone, not in isolation, but in, in solitude. Pray it for God to meet you in that place. Find a quiet place to be alone for a while and, and, and pray for God to meet you in that place. And pray for him to expose your heart, to show you where you've been the balloon and you're the dwarf and, and where you can let go of some of that ranting, screaming, yelling of it's just not, you know, it's just it's just more spinning. It's just more years of the same groundhog day. You, you pray for some clarity in your, in your own heart.